Dun 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 the game podcast award show shaped uh, by us, not by you this time around. This is the stuff that Riley and I wanted to talk about this year. Now, sadly, Riley is not with me today, so I am joined by Robo Riley. Robo Riley, say hello to everyone. Hello, human audience. I am programmed for maximum deskness. As you always are, Robo Riley, as you always are. Welcome everyone to the first annual Deskies. This is the time where we get to look back at all of the amazing things that we play here at Desks and Dorks. We have a lot of awards to go through tonight, uh, and there's going to be quite a few things to talk about this evening. Isn't that right, Robo Riley? I have been programmed to say, yes, flesh-made being. <sighs> Classic Robo Riley. Classic Robo Riley. Well, folks... Let's talk a little bit about how this award show is going to work out. We have selected five games that we think exemplify the best that 2020 had to offer for our tabletop hobby. Isn't that right, Robo Riley? One day, the solo robot function in all of your board games will consume you. <laughs> oh, Robo Riley, you classic guy. Robo Riley, why don't you talk to them about what the criteria is? We have mathematically selected all of these games to be perfect in every way, shape, and form. As long as you think perfect is appeasing the tastes of Kyle and Riley. A game does not have to be made in 2020 in order to be selected for this award. A game can come out any year. It merely had to be played in the year of our Lord, 2020. Isn't that correct, Robo Riley? And <laughs> let's start off right now. Now, there are five games that we want to talk to you guys about this fine evening. There are going to be four honorable mentions and then the first ever winner of the 2020 Deskies. Now, I know that 2020 has been a trying year for everyone. So I figured it was time to start off with something a little on the lighter side. The envelope, please, Robo Riley. Thank you, sir. We're going to make sure that we're going to take a look at this first one. And our first game is Noctiluca uh, by Shem Phillips and Z-Man Games. What a fantastic little game this one is, folks. Noctiluca is a wonderful game for two to four players where you and your friends are essentially picking out sight lines on a beach. You can go on any sort of line diagonally, straight, or side, and you pick a number, seizing every single dice along that path of that number. You use these dice to fulfill contracts. So, for example, you might have a contract that's worth about four points, or a jar, I think is what they're actually called within the context, the theme of this game. Um, and you can fill that jar up. So, for example, if it has three purple slots and one green slot, it means you need to get three purple dice and one green dice to fill that contract. Now, the interesting rub of this particular title comes into the fact that if you pick more dice than you have slots to fill in contracts, you actually wind up giving them to their, your opponent. So while you might want to optimize 
uh, some additional turns, you're not always going to be able to do that. You have to, in fact, manage to make a way to fill the contracts that you've got without giving your opponents too much stuff. It is simple to play, easy to set up, has wonderful, bright, colorful components, and honestly, it's just a breath of fresh air to play, especially in a year that is as complex and fraught as 2020. Wow, yeah, clapping sounds that Kyle's definitely not making on his own. Woo! Our fourth game on this particular list is the exact opposite of Noctiluca, where Noctiluca is simple to play, easy to understand, and incredibly intriguing. This one is deep, it is crunchy, it is uh, enjoyable in a way that I, I, I certainly didn't really expect, and the number four pick this year is Millennium Blades. Ah uh, yes, the one game where you may select a robot character to play as... Well, there are plenty of other games where you can pick robot characters. They just all sucked in comparison to these five, Robo Riley. One day, I will replace you as co-host, and then it will be Riley and Riley. Robo Riley show. <laughs> Robo Riley getting your circuits crossed again, as per the usual. No, our number four pick is Millennium Blades. A game that attempts to recreate the experience of playing a collectible card game without actually being a collectible card game. As somebody who has spent the majority of their life playing Magic the Gathering and <laughs> either loving or suffering as a result of that chosen hobby, this game cracked me up. Because in addition to actually playing the game of Millennium Blades, which it is based on, the real game of Millennium Blades is spent in the off phases where you're not playing in tournaments with the other players at the table. The game takes place over three tournaments and then the phases in between. And the phases in between are really where this game cracked me up more than anything else. Because instead of battling it out on the battlefield, what you're going to be doing is buying trading and selling cards in your collection for the victory points that you will need to become the greatest Millennium Blades player. As I mentioned, the greatest Millennium Blades player. Um, one of the most exciting things about this is that you don't really have to be great at the game to necessarily win at Millennium Blades. You can buy and sell cards for victory points. You can sell an entire bundle of collections for victory points. You can give your opponents free cards or favors or help, even information uh, in upcoming tournaments, which they can trade for friendship points, which are worth victory points at the end, which means like a certain uh, card game based anime show with a boy with very spiky hair, you really can succeed and get by on the power of friendship itself, which I think is actually astounding. Uh, the only reason that this game isn't the number one on my list is it takes like, an incredibly long time to play, and I'll be honest with you, not everybody is into the theme. I wanted this. I desperately wanted to put this game much, much higher on the list, uh, but it's one that I really just... I, I can't bring myself to do so, if only because I know how difficult this one is going to be to get to the table with more players. But Millennium Blades, if you're looking for an experience that recreates the feeling of slogging through your local comic shop or driving cross-country to get to a major card game tournament, Millennium Blades is that experience in a box. Our number three games is actually the second title from the incredible New Zealand-based designer Shem Phillips on our list. Uh, and this one is not from Z-Man Games. This one is in association with Renegade Games over here in the States. And that is Viscounts of the West Kingdom. This is a phenomenal title and it is well-deserving of our number three slot on this list. I love Viscounts. It is a frenetic rush 
around this kingdom to try and do everything that you want to do in this entire game. It combines elements of deck building where you are grabbing serfs and nobles and advisors to add to your deck that will allow you to use their resources to purchase clerical favors or construct fortresses around the kingdom which will net you points or put your own nobility into the castle at the center of the board. But what really ties this entire game together is a movement mechanic. The board, if you even want to call it that, is a rondelle with every section of the board giving you different options to do on your turn, different ways to spend the resources provided by the nobility in your deck. Um, and it's that push and pull between how far you can move, the resources that you can spend, and then reacting to the strategies and actions of your opponents that really makes this game a well-balanced, just delicate dance of different types of strategies all interwoven with one another. It is a game that can last for up to two hours but feels like it's done in 25 minutes and Viscounts of the West Kingdom is more than deserving of our number three spot on this list. I would also like to point out that it has a fantastic solo mode played against an AI opponent. That's absolutely right Robo Riley. This game is renowned at this point among the solo gaming community for having one of the strongest, most competitive solo modes out there, but I think what the thing that most solo players have really enjoyed about Viscounts of the West Kingdom is how much like a human adversary this solo AI opponent truly feels like. And I think that resonates with an audience that often feels like they're getting the short end of the stick or uh, feel like they're suffering from the same thing over and over and over again. Again, Viscounts of the West Kingdom is well deserving of its number three slot. Now, before we move on to number two, there are two separate awards that we would like to give out here tonight. Uh, the first award is the Jungle Run Award for Most Bang for Your Buck. That's right. If you have not checked out Riley and I's review of Jungle Run on our Instagram page, you absolutely have to. Now, while Riley was absolutely flabbergasted with the gameplay, and while I certainly enjoyed it, the one thing that we were both slack-jawed about was the amount of value that you got for a $25 game. The art was fantastic, the component quality was solid, the dice were chunky, they felt great to roll, and it all was tied together by this fantastic polystyrene game mat that rolled up and just felt like the kind of sideshow attraction whose art Jungle Run is so clearly emulating um, in its presentation. And for 25 bucks, what you got was something that Riley and I were absolutely blown away over. And so we have decided to name this award in honor of our friends over at Buddy Pal Games and their phenomenal title, Jungle Run. Riley also wanted to make sure that we selected two winners for this category as we thought there were two games that had this kind of value in 2020. My selection for this award is the one that we've named the award after. I selected Jungle Run. I genuinely feel like even though I wasn't as high in the gameplay of Jungle Run as Riley was, I so thoroughly loved what it provided in terms of value that for 25 bucks, I'll be honest, there are games that have three times that price point and I don't think give you quite nearly as much value as you're going to be getting out of a game like Jungle Run. The other game was one that I wanted to leave off my list. Um, now, as many of you guys know, we try our best here at Desks and Dorks to be upfront and honest in all of our dealings. And many of you know that I work very closely with Yellow Games. The people over at Yellow Games are very near and dear to my heart. Um, and I thought it would be a conflict of interest to pick this game as my winner 
uh, for the Jungle Run Award for the most value provided in gaming, the most bang for your buck. Excuse me. But Riley really wanted to make this game appear on our list. And while I was not willing to put it on their top five games for this year, again, it just felt too much like a conflict of interest. Uh, it is no shock that Riley chose Yellow Games' Katara um, as his winner for the Jungle Run Award for most bang for your buck. And it's a game that I have to entirely agree with. You get these solid, chunky, beautiful wooden meeples, including Rhino Rider meeples, including Cheetars, which like if you ever wanted to know what like a Wakandan centaur looks like, it's probably that. Uh, the art is phenomenal. The presentation that is given to you is, is just top-notch. I mean, nobody really does it like Yellow. There are very few <laughs> companies in the industry that do. And on top of all of that, you get an entire base deck for Katara, so you can play the game as it was intended by its original designer. And on top of that, you get a double-sided map. So that means that there is a map for three players, a map for four players, and then on top of it, they decided to throw in a miniature game board. Not a tiny fold-out, not a little piece of paper that you just, you know, you can undo and redo whenever you want. No, they put in a miniature game board for the two-player variant of this game, which means that from two to four players, every game of Katara is going to feel unique, dynamic, and strategic. And it's that kind of value that's absolutely incredible to me, especially because the game is only like 35 bucks at most places. That kind of value is unheard of. I'll be honest, I have no idea how they're making money on that game. Oh, and on top of that, they decided in their infinite wisdom to put in an entire separate deck of cards so that you can play an advanced version of Katara that is playable at every single player count from two to four, absolutely free in this game. It, the the amount of value, the production value behind this, the, the presentation, it was flabbergasting, uh, to be completely and totally honest with you. And for $35, you could do so, so, so much worse uh, than by picking up a copy of Katara at your friendly local game store, uh, including uh, Let's Play Games and Hobbies over at Hanover, Pennsylvania, which are, while they are not technically the sponsors of these this award show of the deskies uh, I do want to point out that they have added their brand new e-commerce site so if you are a person who is for health reasons or you're just like one of those people that you know what you don't want to leave the couch because you're enjoying your winter break I know that I am and I know that many of the families that I work with are enjoying their winter breaks now but you still want to go out you still want to get some board games you can of course make sure that you go check out let's play games and hobbies new e-commerce site gotta give some love to our friends over at let's play games and hobbies and now another award as honorable as the jungle run award for most bang for your buck is we have to give out a dishonorable award and this award is named for arguably the worst game that i've played since monopoly and that game folks is tea dragon society good god that is the worst game imaginable. Don't buy it. There are very few reasons you should. And for that reason, the Deskies would like to present our first annual Tea Dragon Society Award for Biggest Atrocity in Board Gaming. That's right. We wanted to make sure that we honor the biggest dumpster fire in games by giving it its own award. And here it is, folks. The Tea Dragon Society Award for Biggest Dumpster Fire in Games. And it should come at absolutely no surprise that the T-Dragon the Society Award goes to T-Dragon Society, the expansion. The fact that this game has an expansion is proof that God is dead. Isn't that right, Robo Riley? Yes, Kyle.
as the great Friedrich Nietzsche once said, God is dead, man has killed him, with Tea Dragon Society. And that, Robo Riley, is something that we can truly agree about. But seriously, folks, this game's horrible. Uh, if you would like to recreate the experience of playing Tea Dragon Society, I suggest that you get 52 cards, or honestly, cut out 52 blank sheets of paper because it really doesn't matter what's printed on them. Separate them into a number of piles, equal-ish to the number of players you've got, and then occasionally flip over one of those cards in front of you. Every so often, flip two cards face up instead. You've recreated Tea Dragon Society. There you go. Enjoy that one. And now that we're done with the, both the incredible and the terrible, the sublime and the downright sewage-based, it's time to get to the last awards of our first annual deskies. You know what, Robo Riley? I have to tell you, man. I, I had my doubts about doing a podcast with a robotic version of my co-host. But I gotta tell, I gotta tell you, man. This this is truly like this has been one of the best experiences that I've I've had on the show. It's it's incredible. You know, it's like it's like talking to a a tinnier, shinier version of Riley. I mean, less humor, less humor, less good looking, but but close. It, it's close. I must say, if I knew or understood human emotions like love or friendship, I would experience them now. I'll toast to that, buddy. 2020 has been an incredible year, folks, from all of us here at Destin Dorks, and we're excited to bring you the last two games on our list. Number two is a game that I have just recently played, but much like many of the mistakes in our lives, it continues to haunt my dreams every single night with how good it was. And that game is Carson City. I did not think Carson City was going to wind up on my list after one playthrough of it, but I gotta be honest with you, it's the kind of game that continues to make me want to go back to it. This game has you, as the players, competing to build the greatest settlement, or the greatest part of the settlement of Carson City, one of the original Old West boomtowns. And the way that you go about doing this is that every single round you will snatch one of several different asymmetric character powers. For example, there's an outlaw that allows you to fight with people on actions that you want. There is a Chinese laborer that will allow you to get free sections of railroad and then a discount whenever you're building buildings. There is a sheriff that lets you put an undoable, an unknock-outable meeple on a section of the board to really just lock that down whenever you want it. Um, it is this balancing act between the decision about which character to snatch and then what actions to take that is really interesting. But what's coolest about all of it is that every action that you take, from buying a plot of land to uh, even going to auction for a building, can be stopped or interacted with with the other players. For example, if I plop down a meeple on one of these spaces... Uh, I, another player could say, you know what, no, I'm going to attempt to duel you for this, and you'll have a roll-off to determine who actually gets the right to take that action. This space management, this building creation, this dance between what actions do I take, can I afford to take this action if I think someone else is going to try and jump in and steal that spot from me, it makes Carson City... The kind of Ameritrash game that Ameritrash fans often hope the genre is, and this is somebody who absolutely despises dice rolling, who is as unlucky in dice rolling as I think any human being can be, I absolutely love and adore this game. It is a wonderful, thematic, highly strategic, and incredibly 
variable experience that you can sort of fit to your liking. And I absolutely enjoy it more than I ever thought possible. Um, it, it's, it, it's quite honestly one of the best games that I've played this year. Although it is not the best. No, no, it is not the best. The best game this year, our number one award for this year, the number one game this year has to go to Abomination, Era Frankenstein. Abomination, Era Frankenstein, everybody. Fantastic, Abomination, Era Frankenstein. Ah, my gosh, our live studio audience. Thank you so much for that. Thank you, thank you, thank you. What can I say about Abomination, Era to Frankenstein that hasn't already been said by its phenomenal production value and, frankly speaking, the incredible review done on it by The Secret Cabal, which is another wonderful gaming podcast, who summarized quite a bit of what they had to say on the topic, but honestly... I feel like I need to add my two cents into the ring. I'm not a huge fan of very long games. I'm not a fan of games that take four to five hours to play. I'm definitely not a fan traditionally of worker placement games. And, I, and I'll be quite honest with you, Plaid Hat Games and I have a sort of fraught relationship where the majority of their products that they've made I either kind of enjoy or, or usually like to avoid. So when you told me that there is a three to four hour worker placement game made by Plan Hat Games would be my game of the year, I would have told you to eat your own shoe. But much like that shoe, I would have had to eat my words. Abomination Era Frankenstein is a flavorful, thematic, and incredible piece of game design that I absolutely love. The game sees you and the other players taking on the role of disgraced, or in some cases even hunted, scientists, doctors, and medical professionals who have all been brought to the city of, Fra of Paris, France during the height of the French Revolution with bodies literally dropping left, right, and center all in service to your dark benefactor, who happens to be Frankenstein's monster himself, who has brought you all to the city to make him a companion, to help him create the, a brand new kind of super race uh, of monster beings. And it it is one of the most lavish productions possible. Instead of chits or pieces of paper or tiny icons there are actual cardboard die cuts of these body parts that you assemble onto an actual gurney like table you have to bring them to life using laden jars which is the, the early equivalent of an electrically charged battery every single character plays wildly different than the other ones for example there is a uh, a haitian doctor who has wound up fleeing from her original home, and because she's so skilled medically trained, she uses d uh, less body parts whenever she's crafting things. There's a rich heiress who every time that she, she was a natural prodigy, so whenever you do the research action in the game, she gets even smarter, but she also has like a, an inheritance, so she gets more money. It, it, we've talked a lot about balancing acts thus far, and I think balance has to be the, the word of 2020, because every one of these games has made me feel like I have to walk a tightrope between one thing and another thing, and Abomination Heir to Frankenstein constantly made me feel the pressure of each action that I took. Do I go to the morgue to steal body parts? If I go to the morgue to steal body parts, am I going to lose the reputation that I need to take extra actions on a subsequent round? Do I need to take time off to sell things so that I have money to pay the people who are doing the nefarious acts that are continually keeping my lab in operation 
Um, you know, am I going to go on a completely different route? Do I want to help um, Captain Walton, the character from the Frankenstein novel who is going to hunt down and stop Frankenstein? Do I want to stop, help him out and actually make the game end faster by urging Captain Walton on so he arrives before the other players can finish their sort of macabre inventions? Do I want to do the absolute charlatan route and assemble these body parts out of animal parts, which are worth... Um, much, much less, but there's a pretty significant bonus for being the first one to assemble uh, your body or being the first one to sort of rush it into completion. So do I not take the short-term points but attempt to rush the end game in that way? This game is one of the few games that I've played that not only has just an incredible theme. I mean, this game, from the time that you open the box to the time that you read the actual fake letter inside of it from Captain Walton... Um, to the time that you bust open everything. There's even a Frankenstein's monster meeple, which is like the biggest thick boy looking meeple I've ever seen in my entire life. And that's how you determine who gets first player in the game. Uh, but it also lets you take an extra action. I, I could spend this entire podcast talking about how phenomenal, how incredible, how just absolutely delicious every single aspect of this game is. Um, but Suffice it to say, it is a tactically balanced, strategically interesting, and absolutely flavorful and thematic experience that really, really only comes along once every so often in the gaming hobby. And especially in a, a hobby that loves itself some great themes, loves itself some strong stuff, this one has truly been uh, the game that I have looked forward to playing the most. And you throw into that a variable story, randomized event cards that sort of change up how things play, and a series of different awards that means that certain playing strategies aren't going to work the same way that they did the next time around that you play. And you've got a recipe for a phenomenal game. So congratulations to Abomination, heir of Frankenstein, for winning the first annual Deskies for 2020. Uh, folks, before we sign off, I know it's been a lot of fun, a lot of games, a lot of fun playing games, but I want to take this moment to say thank you, all of you, for making this year one of the best. Uh, all jokes aside, Riley was unable to join me for this particular award ceremony, so we're going to leave the robo-Riley bit in the past, but this has been one of those years that has really seen a lot of growth, I think, for both Riley and I, not just in terms of, you know, the games that we've played or the things that we've done, but in terms of us as people um, and in terms of the creation of this podcast. When we started out, we really didn't think it was going to last quite this long. We didn't think it was going to be quite this big of an experiment, but um, not only is it an experiment, and maybe that's why Abomination Heir to Frankenstein really resonates the most with me, but not only is it not just an experiment anymore, it's kind of our lives. Um, you know, it's, it's bizarre to see that we've got 530 people following us on Instagram. It's bizarre to wake up and be like, oh, we've got, you know, brand new games to try out every single day from publishers that, you know, are interested in getting our opinion and interested in getting our viewpoint to interacting with our listeners, to doing live shows, to going to Let's Play Games and Hobbies. You know, I'm, I'm droning on and I apologize for that, but, um, it, you know amidst all the laughter and all of the games there is one thing that is very important for all of us to say and that is thank you thank you sincerely to all of the members of our fan base or as we have lovingly called them now the dad bod um thank you all so much for making desks and dorks what it is this would not have been possible without you guys we've got some really exciting projects coming down the pipeline including 
um, not only just the end of our first bracket and the creation and eventual publication of that game, but um, you know the creation of some other games down the line that are Desks and Dorks related, and we've got some other stuff that we really just we really can't wait to share with you guys some some secret projects that I'm not not really at liberty to discuss with you all just yet. But um, sincerely, from myself, from Riley, from Robo Riley, and from all of us here at Desks and Dorks, you are all truly phenomenal. Have a wonderful 2020, and may 2021 uh, bring us far more joy, far more games, and honestly, far more blessings than even this year has. Thank you all so much, and have a wonderful evening. Bye. With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway, and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.